today on Growing Through Grace. Here's one of the criteria that you'll discover in the book of Acts, that God has a tendency to use those who are available. I think availability becomes kind of a key characteristic of those in the church that God uses. Listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jacob Elam of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. It's good to have you back with us as we begin a mini-series within our studies through the book of Acts. In chapter 20, beginning at verse 17, we read of Paul's meeting with the Ephesian elders, and the content is so rich that Pastor Jack wanted to take the next six programs to expound on the practical guidance and direction that's given there. So let's join our teacher for this first installment as he gives us a little background. Here's Pastor Jack. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. We are currently in Acts chapter 20. It is Paul's third missionary journey. Uh, He spent, or we spent, (laughs) he didn't, but we spent three weeks in Acts uh, chapter 19, which is a report of his three years of ministry in Ephesus. And a remarkable work of God's spirit. People delivered from the occult and, and from, uh, you know, witchcraft and all, from idolatry. And uh, Paul stayed there until some of the idol makers were so angry over losing so much business to the Christians now coming to walk with Jesus that they really started a riot about, you know, it, it, it got Paul killed almost. He, he wanted to take a crowd on in a meeting place. Not a good idea. But, but they kind of sent him if you will, down the road, and Paul left this place that he had spent three years with. The chapter, chapter 19, ends with that riot. Um, Paul had sent Timothy and Erastus, two guys that were working with him, uh, ahead, ahead of him over to Macedonia, over to Greece, across the Adriatic. Um, and they were going to collect money from these young churches to help the poor saints in Jerusalem who were Struggling. It was Paul's way, to, idea of, of to bridge the gap between the Gentile churches and this Jewish believing saints there in Jerusalem. We are told in, in chapter uh, 19 that Paul intended to spend the uh, summer, uh, sorry, the winter in Ephesus and then catch up with him, which apparently he did. He did. When, when you get to chapter 20, verse 1, and, and really to the end of chapter 21 or so, or at least the middle portion of it, um, we are only given by Luke bits and pieces of Paul's long journeys. It was a difficult travel. You read more about the suffering that Paul went through on this trip in the epistles than you do in the response or in the report from uh, this book of Acts that uh, Luke, Luke wrote. Um, it was especially difficult because every place that he stopped, either a prophet or a, or a friend said, Man, we've been praying for you, and the Lord says you shouldn't go back to Jerusalem, which was Paul's kind of desire all along to get there by Pentecost and then, uh, you know, uh, reach out to the to the Jewish saints and say, well, look at all the Gentile churches brought you. And he was bringing a bunch of guys with him from these various fellowships. So every time he stopped, he got kind of bad news. 
but he really felt like even the death threats and all were nothing compared to what he believed God was calling him to do. So if you begin reading in verse 1, and we're going to start in verse 17 tonight, but if you start in verse 1, you find that Paul traveled, and it's really a description of what you have on your map. Paul ended up um, going, if you will, uh, up the coast of Asia to Troas. It's about 150 miles from Ephesus. He sailed over to Macedonia, which is, which is Europe. He then traveled down to Athens and Corinth on the other side, about 600 miles in all. Stayed there for three months, according to verses 2 and 3. He had planned to get on a boat there in Corinth and sail to Syria and then to Jerusalem. It was a typical kind of boat that took uh, Jewish worshipers to Jerusalem for the feast days. And that was Paul's uh, intention, except they uncovered a plot that somebody was going to throw him overboard. And he was smart. He went, yeah, I'm not getting on that boat. And so he went back the 600 miles from which he came, spent another 250 miles going to the port city of Miletus, if you look on that Asia side of your map, which is on the uh, Ephesian coast. And, and from there, he would have to travel another 700-some miles to get to Jerusalem by the time he got there. So this was a long, kind of arduous journey. Um, Paul, according to what the Bible tells us, covered about 1,500 square miles in just under 16 years. That's a lot of places to go. Well, last week, we ended in verse, uh, beginning in verse 7, down through verse 17. Remember, Paul was in Troas. He uh, had been there for a week. He met with the church. He thought he was leaving for good. He went up to an upper room where he taught the Bible. They went past midnight. He really spoke a long time. There was a guy named Eutychus who was sitting in the window. We told you last week his name meant Lucky. And Lucky fell out the window about midnight and ended up dead on the ground. Paul went down, prayed for him. The Lord raised him up. Lucky went home. Paul went upstairs to talk to them till the break of dawn. But there was this hunger in their hearts for the things of God. In, in the morning, Paul went to check on Lucky. He was okay. And, and he sent his crew by boat to Assos, which is the next little town there on your map, while Paul made this 20-mile kind of hilly walk by himself. They then get on a boat, and we are told, from verse 13 to verse 16 or so, of these one-day trips where Paul went to Mylenian and, and, and Chios and, and Samos. And then he stopped at this place, Miletus. You can find it on your map. It was the port city of Ephesus. It was 12 miles from there, inland along the what is called the Neander River, even to this day. And, and where Paul comes really back to the place he'd spent those three years, and where he left beginning in verse 1. So it's been six months. He's been around, uh, you know, 600 miles, plus another couple hundred now. And, he, and he, he's going back, back by the church of Ephesus. And he believes it's probably believed the last time he'll ever meet with the leadership. So as he comes to Miletus, the port city, Paul sends a message to the leadership of the Ephesian church. And he said, would you come down here 12 miles and would, could we meet together? I'm on my way. I'm on a boat. I can't stay long, but I want to just kind of pass along my last words of, of you know, comfort or, or encouragement to you. And, you know, it, it, is, it is one of the more important, I think, passages that we will find in the book of Acts in t as far as teaching. In fact, we will, Lord be willing, spend the next three Wednesdays going over 18 verses. 
It is, a, it is the only place in the book of Acts that you will find Paul teaching believers that we have a record of. He speaks a lot to unbelievers, but this is, this is purely talking to pastors, to overseers, to elders, to, serv- to servants in the, in the Ephesian church. These are, are men that he loved. He had trained them from the day that he had begun there, if you will. He uses new titles for them that you find here in the book of Acts. There's a Greek word, presbuteros, which is a Jewish term for elder. It is applied to pastors in terms of wisdom. He uses the word uh, episkopos, another Greek word for overseer, usually from a governmental standpoint. He's talking to these pastors, these shepherds of the flock. He wants to to make sure they're going to do a good job. He handed the church to them. He asked them to take care of something that he'd worked three years with. This was, you know, he, he spent longer here than anywhere else. And he wanted to be sure that these men could follow, you know, what he had set for them as an example. In fact, we're going to look at four verses tonight, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Uh, they are unique in the sense that they're the beginning of what he wants to say, but they're all about his example. So let's begin in verse 17. It says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, now you know. From the day that I came out of Asia, to what manner uh, of I, uh, to, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed to you and taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 18. Paul writes this. You know from the first day that I came to Asia. When Paul arrived in Miletus, we read he called the elders and when they came to him, and I, I, I was moved by the thought that um, Paul gets a hold of guys that have to do a half a marathon <laughs> just to go see him and then go back again. It's a 25-mile little round trip that he's asking them to make. And, and, and here's one of the criteria, I think, that you'll discover in the book of, of Acts, is that God has a tendency to use those who are available. I think availability becomes a, a kind of a key characteristic of you know, those in the church that God uses. These guys had jobs, They had family obligations, and yet when Paul called to meet with them here on very short notice, they took their responsibility and his training very seriously. They were available. And I I think that that's important to see. Um, When Moses spoke to the children of Israel there on the the borders of the Promised Land, that, that book of Deuteronomy, he used this great illustration to explain to them how God was going to use them mightily. And he said to them in chapter 20 of Deuteronomy, look, when you are going out to battle against an enemy, and maybe they have more people than you do, more horses, they have chariots and all, and you become afraid of them. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. He'll protect you. He'll watch over you. When you're on the verge of battle, call for the priests. And let the priests come amongst you and say to the people, today you are on the verge of a battle with the enemy. Don't let your heart faint. 
Don't be afraid. Don't tremble. The Lord God is with you to go out and fight against your enemies to save you. And then he said, after the priest speaks, then the officers could come and say, how many of you have built a new house and you haven't dedicated it? And those that raised their hands, he would say to them, go home. And which ones of you have planted a vineyard and yet you haven't eaten of it? You go home lest you die in battle and someone else gets to eat of your vineyard. And which of you have gotten engaged but you're not married yet? Well, then you go home. We don't want you to die before you get married. And then bring another officer up. I'm just reading to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 20. Which one of you are afraid and faint-hearted? Then you go home. And then when all of the officers have done speaking, whoever is left and available, God will use in the battle. In other words, if there's a reason for you not to be available, then God can't use you. doesn't mean that he won't, but at this time he can't use you. You're kind of in that position where, you know, it isn't your time. And, and Moses' command to the priests was, you tell them of God's power, and to the officers, you tell them about how busy their life can be, and then the frontline ministry people are for those who have frontline availability. If your material possessions, if your family demands, if your job overwhelms you, if you're afraid to step out, it's just not your time. Don't go. You're not that person that the Lord is going to use. There, there's really no other place from which you can lead than from the front. A badge doesn't make you a leader. A title doesn't make you a leader. A position that someone gives you doesn't make you a leader. Serving is an action verb. It requires doers. And so Paul sends the note to whoever. Somebody had to go up the river. Hey, Paul's in the port, man. We're going to be here for one day. He really would like to meet with you guys. And everyone packs up and they go. They want to hear from what Paul had to say. He begins in verse 18 by saying, You know from the very first day that I came here to Asia, to Ephesus in particular, what manner I have lived among you. Paul begins his word of encouragement to these would-be pastors, and he appeals to their personal knowledge of him over the three years that he'd been with them as the basis for what he's going to talk to them about. He starts by saying this, my life is an open book. You know me well. You've seen my, li uh, my life and my example. You've, you've seen from day one what I'm all about. And I like the words, you know. I, I like that very much. You know, when Paul wrote to the first Thessalonian letter, and he began in chapter 2 to appeal to the people whom he hadn't spent much time with, but really wanted to encourage. And so he appeals to the same thing, his example with them for the three weeks or four weeks he was with them. And he says in, in verse 1, you know about me. And in verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians 2, you know about me. And then in verse 5, you know about me. And in verse 9, I want to remind you of what you know about me. In verse 10, you are witnesses of what kind of life I lived. In verse 11, you know about me. He does it time and time again. It's kind of like the proof is in the pudding. Paul calls the leadership together in Ephesus. Three years he's been there. He's, he's handed them everything that he worked to, to establish. And he said, you know me. You know what kind of person I am. And leadership to Paul was first and foremost a matter of example. And I, I, I can't stretch that enough. If you really want God to use you, be a good example. 
My father used to say, look, you don't have to do like I do. You just do what I tell you. Well, that's great. You can pull that off as a dad. Because what are you going to do, argue with your dad? But it didn't sell me very much. It is far better to hear, do what I'm doing. Or go with me. Or do like I do. Right? For anyone in leadership, it's all about example. And if you go through the Gospels and through the, through the New Testament, for that matter, you will constantly find Jesus and, and his, his leaders talking the same way. Jesus gets down and washes the feet of his disciples at, you know, at, at the Last Supper, and he stops and he goes, now, I've done this as an example to you. As I've done, now you go and do. Pa- Peter writes to the, to the church's pastors that are scattered abroad in his generation, You should shepherd the flock of God among you. Serve them as overseers. Don't do it by compulsion. Do it willingly. Don't do it for dishonest gain. Do it eagerly. Don't do it to lord over the flock that's been entrusted to you. Rather be examples to them. Paul sends Timothy to pastor this church. This church, the Ephesian church. Writes them a letter there. 1 Timothy is written to Timothy in Ephesus. And he says to him in chapter 4, Don't let anyone, Timothy, despise your youth. It's a great verse, especially since Timothy was probably in his 40s. Don't let them despise your youth. So if you're in your 40s, you're just a bunch of kids. That's what it's right in the Bible. Then he says this, Be an example of the believer in your word, in your conduct, in your love, in your spirit, in your faith, in your purity. Timothy, the way that you win these people over that think you're a young guy is to be an example. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says this to them. I don't know if you could say this or if I could say this, but, but he said to them, I want you to imitate me. Be just like I am as I imitate Christ. In other words, my example to you, if you'll follow that, you'll be in a lot better shape than you are now. Come and follow my example. And, and Paul calls on that example first things first in, in the eyes of all of the people. He says, you know from the very first day that I arrived in Asia, in what manner I always have lived among you. Something about Paul's arrival, Paul understood that the minute he showed up, he was leaving an impression. Right? That old saying that says you've only got one chance to leave a good impression. Paul, from the very outset in town, was aware of that. People were watching. You've known me since day one. You know how I always lived. Paul was there three years under all different kinds of circumstances, emotions, times of life. He left the city because there was a whole mob outside chanting to take him out. Paul was, was able to you know, be flushed out if he was a phony, if he wasn't the real deal. But Paul was the example to these men of being an elder or a pastor, of being a saint of God. And, and he stood the test of time through all of the seasons. He, 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 he was a good man. He was proven. He would later write to Timothy, don't lay hands on any man suddenly because they might just fall. (laughs) So be slow about who you promote, who you lay hands on, not a novice. But Paul had weathered three years there. He was there during the spring when hope springs eternal. It's kind of like that, isn't it? We get spring and the blossoms come out and we're, we're excited and summer is the fruitful time, isn't it? The thrilling time. But then fall comes. And fall's not always that cool, you know. You you start getting pruned and dead branches fall off the trees and dead leaves. And then there's winter, you got nothing. Everything's buried, right? There's this long time where where you hear nothing and you feel even less in your spiritual life. 
And Paul has made it through all the seasons. He was up, he was never down, he was, he was faithful, he pressed on. So Paul says to these men, you know in every season of life, from the first day I showed up there, the kind of life I lived. Paul was a pretty volatile guy, I think you know that. He was a very passionate man, but he was consistent in his devotion. He didn't, I think I love Jesus today and I don't love him tomorrow. He was consistent and he calls these men to remember that. You know from the first day I went with you, I've always lived this kind of life. And what kind of life? And he said, I, I was serving the Lord with all humility. The word serving is the word for doulos. The word doulos is a word in, uh, it actually comes out of the, the, the whole Old Testament Hebrew experience. But you know, slavery in the Old Testament was more than the hateful thing that we see as slavery today, and, and we would never you know, promote or, 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 or applaud. We, we would hate it as a mistreatment of others. But, but at least in the Old Testament, people became slaves to others just to survive financially. Uh, whole families would sometimes join with, with a rich family and st spend their whole life there, and it was, it, was, it was a benefit to everyone. The thing is, if you, if you became a slave because you owed money to someone, you, you had to pay off a debt, when your debt was finished, you were free to go. Unless you wanted to become a doulos. A doulos, a, a servant or a slave that chooses to be a slave. And in the Old Testament, they would, they would run like an ice pick through your ear and put a big uh, gold hoop through it, and you would become a slave by choice. Not forced, not, not compelled, but just because you've chosen to become a slave. And that's the the word that Paul uses oftentimes when he talks about we as Christians are God's servants, right? How do you keep going when people throw stones and when the reward is distant and the work doesn't seem to grow at the desired rate? For Paul, the answer was always the same. I'm serving the Lord. I'm his servant. And he's worthy to be served. And, and you know, the Bible says even giving a glass of cold water to another in, in his name Takes, it gets God's notice. So for Paul, he had chosen his life to serve the Lord. For him, the whole life was an audience of one. He wanted to please the Lord. You know, so often we get caught into wanting to keep everyone happy. It's impossible. You just might as well learn that early. But if you'll please the Lord, you'll probably please most folks around you as well. He kept his eyes on the Lord. I'm his servant, nobody else. I belong to him. From the day I showed up, I began to serve the Lord. He was, he was sold out to Jesus. And because of that, he never felt weary in the sense of being burned out or taken advantage of. Even his enemies, he figured out a way to turn that around. Well, the Lord's doing something. It just didn't slow him down. And with that thought, we'll stop there for today and pick up the balance of Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 21, the next time we're together. This has been the first half of a two-part study taught by Pastor Jacob Bielan. If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3077. And when you get a hold of us, be sure to mention the call letters of the radio station that you're listening to. The same challenges that seek to hinder the church today were common in the Corinthian church back in Paul's day. In his letters to the Corinthians, he addressed such issues as politics, immorality, lawsuits, marriage, worldliness, and spiritual gifts, just to name a few. 
In working through these timely books, Pastor Jack analyzes Paul's biblical answers to each of these problems in light of today's church. And we're offering Pastor Jack studies through both the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians from our Know the Book series on MP3. They're available in either CD or USB format. So if you'd like to order the 1st and 2nd Corinthians MP3 or to get today's study, simply dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all kinds of other things available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. Now here's Pastor Jack with a special announcement about a trip that he's leading coming up September 23rd through October the 3rd of 2024. Hi, this is Pastor Jack. I want to tell you about an exciting trip that we're planning here at the church for next year with some of our radio listeners as well. We're going to walk in the footsteps of Paul. We'll be going over to Greece to look at such places as Athens and Corinth, over to Turkey to see the ruins of Ephesus, to Patmos where John wrote the book of Revelation, as well as taking a three-day Aegean cruise. So I hope you'll join us. We'll be ending our trip in Rome, looking at the Colosseum and the Forum, the catacombs and the Mamertine prison. It's going to be a great time of learning and getting to know each other. We hope you'll join us and so we can get to know you as well. For more information, you can turn to inspiredtravel.com and then look for the Morningstar Footsteps Tour. Or you can call Inspired Travel at 714 area code 9578606. That will bring things to a close for us today. We do appreciate you tuning in. So until next time, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing to Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California, a Calvary Chapel outreach.